0: Welcome listeners to the 40th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhards, with me as always are my fantastic co-hosts Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. To you, their listeners, we would like to say thank you for tuning in and welcome. Big
1: 4-0! Hello, hi, how do you do?
2: Good evening. I hope you're ready for some magic ASMR. Stockholm Legacy
0: Report can be found every week on the Top Tech tab. In this week's episode we will go full on Grixis. Our paper play report, a special deck tech, and the basic land connoisseur panel will all be about this former powerhouse of a colored combination legacy that is now perhaps seeing a strong return. We are not talking about Honda Civic Grixis Deliver or Coligan's command Grixis control. No, 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 no. This is the era of the Neon dynasty and wow is this something. Christopher, you will do some heavy lifting here, as he was the, the only one that was playing at a local game store last week, sporting great success with Grixis Hidatsugu Undoing. What is this all about, Christopher? Take it away, please.
2: So this has kind of been the new Undoing hotness because there's a lot of talk about different um, Days Undoing Hullbreacher decks out there, and for the most times they're they're just guy. Uh, based. And uh, I think that's a super powerful shell. You know, you can just jam Hull or undoing and have a show and tell Splinter Twin situation uh, in your deck. But why would you choose Grixis? And the only card that justifies playing Grixis in this day and age is Hretzige. Uh, consumes all which is one of the new cards from uh, neon dynasty and if you've lived under the in, under a rock i can't blame you because uh, i i do love myself a rock but the card is a saga an enchantment for one black and a red which on the first uh what's the what's the word for it lore counter
1: first chapter
2: yeah on the first chapter it destroys each non nonland permanent with mana value one or less, which is pretty good in Legacy. I mean, you know, a lot of the things you're scared about, this is either gonna hit, or if it's in play already, you're kind of dead. So this is <laughs> this is pretty good against half of Legacy. The first tick, and then the second chapter is Exile all graveyards, which is like I can't understate how randomly strong that is against a lot of opponents and the last chapter is you exile it and then you return it transformed and the transformed side is a vessel of the all-consuming with a banger picture it's looking super grim this is what I imagine like death's shadow would look like but death's shadow is usually a bit shonkier than this but it's a free free trample and whenever it deals damage and not to a player like any damage Put a plus one, plus one counter on it. Then it has some extra flavor text. And that's pretty much when it deals damage to a player. If it has dealt 10 or more damage to this to that player this turn, they lose the game. So this card is extremely cool. And through the tournament report, I'm just gonna go through some examples where this card was extremely overperforming my expectation. This is one of the cards that kind of flew like under our radar. Oh, right? for sure, we had no mention of this
0: at all. And Hidetsugu from original Kamigawa block is it was to me sort of previously completely unknown as well. It's an ogre shaman for three and two red, four three tap. Heartless Hitatsugu deals damage to each player equal to half that player's life total, rounded down. And then there's also this I think it's an instant Hidatsugu's second right, which is sort of in historic as well as in Kamigawa. If a target player has exactly 10 life, it deals 10 damage to that player for three and a red for instant. Like, super bad <laughs> effect. Uh, so, he's this. Uh, my point here is that Hitatsugu is this super anonymous. Bulk rare in multiple instances. And then all of a sudden it's this super sleeper.
2: A bomb. Yeah. So so the deck that I played, I, I kind of just took a deck list from online, but I made like one change to it, which I'll I'll go through. It's, it's not big at all. But the deck that I played was four Brainstorm, four Ponder, three Lightning Bolt. And here I decided to play three instead of two. I saw a list playing two that also played a Pyroblast in the main deck, but our meta, I don't think Pyroblast is as strong as it would be online. Two Fatal Push, two Sudden Edict, and this card is mean. I really like it. Two him to Torak, you know, it's a two for one deck. Two Days Undoing, four Baleful Strix, three Hull Breacher, four Hidetsugu Consumes All, so it's a full play set of this enchantment. Three Narset, two Jays, four Force of Will, ten Fetches, two island one swamp one mountain free walk free underground sea and one badlands so the decklist is kind of like super heavy on removal got some counter magic but how do you win <laughs> <laughs> indeed pray tell <laughs> so my round 1 opponent was on loam and normally this is a nightmare matchup for grixis because you usually have a super slow clock Uh, It's either Snapcast the Mages, like Baleful Strix, or Plusing with (laughs) Jace, or stuff like that. So whenever you're playing against a loam opponent that has access to cards like Punishing Fire, (laughs) your clock is super bad all of a sudden. So game one, I I, I flood super hard, but it's kind of fine because my opponent is wastelanding me and not really progressing, is bored. So, you know, I'm still hitting land drops, even though I'm getting wastelanded, and eventually I resolve a Hiretsugu, which which gets to kill a Mox Diamond, but also gets to threaten removing Punishing Fire and Loam, or the dredge that, like, the Loam does. So my opponent mills a Buseiju and decides to go for a uh, Prismatic Ending on my Hiretsugu, uh, which I force because I... I would really much like to keep this. I just untap and, you know, Grixis has a lot of lands. I play Hullbreacher, undoing the same turn. The, my opponent is tapped out, can't punishing fire or anything. So they have a knight in play, which becomes a 2-2. I get seven treasures and just push the knight in the upkeep with one of the treasures. Next turn, I play spells for 10 mana, which is enough. You know, you play a Narset, you play a Jace, you play a second secondedetsugu. The match is over. Uh, they have like one card in hand so that's a game one and I think Hidetsugu is also just good at keeping recursive things off the table which is also a problem for Grixis a lot of times because you're really good at removing things once but cards like Uro, <laughs> Bloodgast, you know stuff like that is super annoying. So game 2 is a real nail biter because I keep a hand with counter spells and removal and I get to force a will, a chalice, force a negation, a loam. Eventually, my opponent hits a green Sun scene and played for x equals 3 and I'm sitting there with sudden edict and bolt in hand. so I'm feeling like I'm I'm at a pretty good spot. I don't have a counter spell so it resolves. I'm thinking, here comes the knight, I'm just gonna kill it, but he gets to clot this. <laughs> <laughs> which I have zero answers Ooh, to. That's in nice. The 75. I have. I think I had two strixes or something in play, which is uh, like life negative, <laughs> net negative for my opponent life-wise. But I'm being drained for two each turn. But I also have a Hiretsugu, which I get to play, and literally I go from 17 to 13 from the clottis before killing my opponent. And the Hidetsugu did so much heavy lifting in that game, and it's super nice to just exile both of our graveyards because this deck, as you heard, doesn't play Collagens Command, doesn't play Snapcasters, so you don't really care about your own graveyard. So that's that's also super nice. And no delve guys. Yeah, no 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 delve threats at all. Like um, the biggest threat in the deck is either Hidetsugu or Hull Breacher untap. So that's super cool, and I also think both him and uh, both him to Torak and uh, having cards like sudden edict curves really well into going either Hullbreacher or Hidetsuga or Narsa. Um, so it's super cool. Like the deck seems pretty lean.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, it seems lean, but also this feels like a really versatile version of Grixis, whereas previously in the old sort of Collagand's Command Snapcaster era, as you said, you were heavily dependent on the graveyard, you had a very sort of, I wouldn't say linear strategy, but you sort of, you're building up to inevitability in a slow way with Jace or something. Here you can, as you said, just end the game in two turns with this uh, new hotness uh, of a saga. I think that's a really interesting way of approaching Grixis, which to me always has been in Legacy, has been this very slow, powerful, but very slow deck.
2: Yeah, for sure. And uh, uh, like the the parts that the main deck is not really good to face like up against, the sideboard really covers. Uh, I I I forgot to mention the sideboard, but it kind it kind of looks like the classic uh, Grixis sideboard. It's like two Plague Engineer. I played two spell Spellbomb because. I have a problem, <laughs> you know, I, I want to graveyard hate and draw cards. <laughs> but, you know, I, it's it's super cool. Like, if you're scared against blue matchups, which Grixis really shouldn't be, like in most iterations, I'm playing four Red Elemental Blasts effects in the sideboard. Also two Force of Negation, Surgical, and, you know, just some extra Thought for the combo matchups. Your game one is just going to be... I'll destroy my fair opponent and then game two you're gonna be like okay (laughs) did I play against combo or something then maybe I I need to swap some things around but it's it's super solid the main deck it does have a lot of removal and stuff like that so that's that might be a problem for the deck
1: are you running blood moons in the sideboard
2: I am not running blood moons and that might be a good choice but yeah i'm, I'm playing four basics so it's it's kind of scary to do it as well yeah but yeah blood moon is a, a, a good choice i think i would probably play it if i had maybe six basics if i shaved a volk and maybe a fetch or something like that to play a, another island and another swamp then then i might play it but it kind of it kind of feels like good to have but I don't think a lot of the t- a lot of the decks that you would bring Blood Moon in against. I don't think it's as powerful in Grixis as it might be in uh, maybe Delver if they're having a lands-heavy meta, and that's mainly due to your way of disrupting their graveyard. If if you're just looking at lands, for an example, with Hidetsugu with Nile Spell Bombs, and Force Negations, and stuff like that. But uh, Blood Moon is definitely always going to be like a solid pick i think it's very meta dependent also so my round two opponent was against painter and uh, this is like w- one of those match matches where everything just goes your way so he goes welder pass i just bolt it and pass he plays a saga and pass i untap and him him <laughs> my opponent plays an engineer and puts a painter into the graveyard i play a, a land pass he makes a construct maybe no yeah, on upkeep he makes a construct and uh, play a grindstone, and I just end of turn hull breacher, untap land, undoing, and two like two turns later I played a Hidetsugu, I push the engineer, and my opponent is ready to scoop. <laughs> so it's like in that matchup as well, just getting rid of grindstone welder with Hidetsugu and stuff like that is super massive, and just exiling the whole graveyard, like stop stop those engines early can be. Really powerful, and game two is pretty similar. Like I play some hull breachers and just go full beatdown mode until I eventually get to day's undoing a bunch of treasures and play spells with all my pressure, uh, like treasures, and just end it with an hidetsugu And uh, yeah, the it's it's too much pressure too fast. I think the hullbreacher undoing shell is just powerful overall especially if you have to also play around things like Hidetsugu which is a an early game sweeper and uh, in some games a closer so uh, next round opponent is blue red delver and this is one of the matchups that i really wanted to try out uh, game one my opponent molds to six and i'm on the play so i go i go the classic underground c ponder he plays drc and pass I untap him which is like the Grixis uh if you go to a Grixis 101 on Univer like on in the uni they'd be like always him on turn 2 make him days. but it just resolves and <laughs> oh, wow yeah like it's it's like the air is just out of your opponent's body like their soul leaves Oh, getting him on turn 2 on yeah, the that's awful yeah uh, especially on a Molta 6, also. Oh, like, wow it Never feels good. And, uh, like, my opponent runs into all troubles <laughs> because he, like, untaps, plays a Ponder, fetches, and plays a Delver. And I just take my turn and play Hiretsugu for a nice 2 for 1. And uh, I kill the Fret. My opponent knows that Hiretsugu is just going to remove the graveyard. So he plays the earliest Merc Tide that he can, which becomes a free free. I take my turn, just land pass, get hit hit for six my opponent iterations into wasteland and shoots my underground sea i play hull breach in response take my turn play a land and you know what's coming it's done doing so i get a bunch of treasures and eventually i just get to you know use all my treasures play narset play sudden edict like there's there's no way out for the opponent at this way, like at this stage, and I just think like sudden edict does such a good job at cleaning up merc tides after Hidetsugu because they might be like, oh, I just need to dig for a force, but it it doesn't do anything. Um, so that's super cool. And uh, yeah, and and it, Hidetsugu actually finished my opponent off in this game. He eventually found a bolt for the hull breacher, but Hidetsugu killed him in like three attacks. And uh, a bolt or something like that. So it was super sweet. Game two is, is just gonna be super nasty. So, <laughs> like, fasten your seatbelts, listeners. <laughs> he goes turn one, Delver. I ponder. My opponent flips the Delver and plays Ponder and a second Delver. I untap and play Strix, trying to bait the Days, but no deal. My opponent flips Delver number two and swings for six. I block one and he plays a like 5 5 Merc Tide or something. I take my turn and play Hiretsugu, and it resolves. And I was like, hmm, you had a dace in hand. What's up with that? Maybe the Delver wasn't worth it. I don't know. My opponent hits me for five and plays two DRCs. <laughs> and, uh, like, at this stage, they're not going to be great. Like, my Hiretsugu is just going to remove his graveyard. So, like, he's going to have to work hard to get them to Delirium. But the sweet thing about Hiretsugu is it's not a Legendary. It's not a legendary enchantment, it's not a legendary creature when it flips. So I just untap, play a second land and a second Hidetsugu, killing both DRCs. And my opponent takes a turn, attacks for the Merc Tide. I just un- untap, play Narset, and sudden Edict the Merc Tide, and it's over.
0: You would really think that Hidetsugu is a legendary, inst- sort of intuitively. Yeah, I was super shocked. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm looking at the card right now, I'm like, this is not legendary? No, this is just like... A very named specific ogre that consumes all and becomes vessel of the all-consuming but apparently i mean as a grixis player you can walk around with as many vessels of the all-consuming that you want you got vessels for days or for days undoing i should say
2: yeah but it's kind of like one of those scenarios you know when when your opponent has a uh, a blast zone with a certain amount of uh, counters on it and you're just like oh It's unfree. i I'm not going to play out my Narset or something like that. Hiretsugo kind of has that effect, but like the other way around. You play it and you sweep a lot of ones or zeros. And then they empty their hand and just play out all the frets and just play a second one. So the uh, Hiretsugo multiples is is super sweet. And the clock on the other side, it's super real. Especially, you know, I have played a lot of Grixis in the past. And having a clock in this deck, which isn't Gurmagangler... It's
1: sweet. I have a question for you regarding, like, I mean, you you've been obviously praising Hidetsugu, but like, hearing on your on your how they like how the games turned out, it also sounds like the the fish door combo pulled a lot of weight for sure. Do you think that uh, Hidetsugu could go into a more controlly Grixis deck uh, without, like, a combo finish and uh, do well? Or do you think it's merely, like, the power of the fish door shell that is, uh, like, uh, pulling the weight on the deck? I mean, like, uh, Breacher Deck has been doing really well at our LGS like even before as well. So
2: what do you think? I do think that um, you could build a Grixis deck without the Breacher combo in it because what the deck normally wants to do is two for one opponents or better. And uh, like the strongest two for one or X for one you can do is Hull Breacher Undoing. But this card on its own, it's kind of like a pseudo Planeswalker in that sense that they can't attack. You just play it out and the first effect happens and then it removes any eventual like problems um, in the graveyards and then it becomes a pretty slow but pretty reasonable clock I do think that the undoing gives this deck another angle because you're playing so much removal like bolts, uh, sudden edicts and stuff like that so you're kind of telegraphing a bit when you're passing on free mana but also, since you have so much removal and stuff like that, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are trying to go for something. A lot of times, just the opponent knowing that you have the hull-breacher combo is enough for them to keep removal up against Grixis. And that's yeah. super powerful yeah. because what, what you don't want is them committing two and three drops into play. Uh, you want them to keep mana up, because in the late game you are going to overrun them. You don't even need to, like Days Undoing your opponent, like you play f- free Narset and two J's and a bunch of removal. If they're a fair deck, and they're keeping uh, Swords to Plowshares or something like that up, you're in a good spot. I do think the card is viable outside of this as well, but then if you're not playing Days Undoing and Hull Breachers, you're probably... L- might you might be looking a bit at Snapcasters and Colligans and stuff like that, and they're kind of unsynergistic with uh, Hidetsugu since it's exiles.
1: That's true. That's true. I like the like the false tempo approach that you're talking about, like making your opponent keep up mana. Maybe they even need to keep up mana for Hidetsugu. They may have boarded in uh, Blue Blast to spell pierces or something that will destroy an enchantment with a trigger on the stack, and that creating a, a real tempo for. For your for your deck, if they're keeping up mana for that kind of things,
2: yeah. So I, I do think that um, having having the fish door or breacher combo in this deck is is very powerful. Just because it's it's kind of like what the, the uh, like rug twin decks did in in modern long ago. It was playing this like snapcaster tarmogoyf vandilion click plan with just the splinter twin combo in it. And it's kind of like the same situation, like you're putting them in a situation where they can't really, they have to choose, do I play around Splint Twin or do I try and answer the board which is killing me? And this is kind of the same, but uh, the board isn't really killing the opponent, it's just incremental value uh, advantages that you're getting as the Grixis player. Uh, you're drawing into hymns, you're drawing into Narsets sets and stuff like that. So I do think that it's uh, it's a very good shell for this, for sure. And uh, this leaves us to the, to the last opponent, which uh, was against ANT. And uh, this is a very skilled Storm pilot, in my opinion. Uh, he has played Storm for a very long time. And game one, I multi five and i'm on the draw i'm liking your odds the first the uh, so let's let's do the let's do a mini game rate the hand the first hand was six lands and a narset yeah that's that's pretty lackluster yeah okay i I, I would ship that (laughs) i would ship that too and the second hand is double bolt ponder force a will narset hull breacher and a badlands (laughs) <laughs> so you can't you can you can cast your bolts so i, ch- I ship that too what if your opponent is
0: playing a slow version of maverick that's gonna go birds of paradise go those bolts would have been really good
2: yeah i don't want to get wastelanded in that situation if i'm up against maverick like i'm just gonna be like the biggest details duper. imagine if you are playing against maverick and they're like you're like, okay, double bolt, I'll keep. And they just go wasteland pass. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> bolt to face. <laughs> bolt face. But but the 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 hand that I keep, the five, is Ponder Narset, Hull Breacher, and two fetches. And remember, solid. I'm on the draw. Yeah, like it's it's pretty solid. And on the draw, of course, I get turn one Fats East as well. So bye bye, Ponder. Smooth. And uh, I draw like him for the turn so I just land pass my opponent go island pass perfect I untap oh well untap my untapped fetch but I play a second one and just him my opponent and he brainstorms in response okay I might be dead next turn maybe not nothing cool happens like I get two cards out of there my opponent just takes takes turn plays a land and pass so I'm I'm starting to feel pretty good I'm untapping, and I do have a, a third land at this point, which l- allows me to play the Narset. So I do, and minus and find Force Forza Will, which feels great <laughs> against the storm. I pass back, and my opponent just land pass. I untap, minus Narset into Day's Undoing, play it, end my turn. From there, I just play a Hidetsugu. More Narsets and Hidetsugu alone kills the opponent. What happened in your opponent's hand? I think the the him hit either too much mana or like a brainstorm lock happened for sure he brainstormed with the him on the stack and didn't play a fetch for two turns so i think i think i hit mana and my opponent then just was short of doing anything since it's ant it can't really go for well this was a kind of hybrid version we've seen a couple of hybrid versions running around playing some amount of burning wishes instead of uh, instead of wish claw. It's not good in that scenario. Like when the narset is in play, if even if the plan would have been to burning wish to get maybe goblins or something like that, nothing feels good in the face of Hiretsugu, and you can't eat You can't go for echo since of the narset. So it's it's kind of like a super awkward spot for the storm player. And game two now it's finally. My opponent's turn to mull. <laughs> he mulls to six, and I keep my seven, which is Force of Will, Ponder, Fotsies, Norset, and Free Lands. My opponent goes like turn one, Ponder, no shuffle, pass. I Fotsies, I see Lead, Lead, Ad nauseum, Cabal Ritual, Fotsies, and Land. So I take the Fotsies and pass back because I have Force of Will. And uh, my opponent realizes this because else I would have taken the action spell. Of course. <laughs> so. My opponent realizes, okay, I can't really uh, go for it. So, plays a land, ponder, pass, uh, like, no shuffle again. I just go, play land, go. Opponent on taps, plays infernal tutor. I let it resolve, and it gets another cabal ritual. So I'm feeling really good, <laughs> because if my opponent would have wanted me dead, like, if they found discard or something like that, I would have tasted it. So... I untap and just play Narset minus to find Force and Negation. Opponent draws and passes. You know now, <laughs> now the jig is definitely up. From this point, like Narset, just minus into ponder. I ponder into Days Undoing. Bye bye to your hand. And uh, eventually, my opponent like is so low on resources because being undoing as a an ant player is so terrible. Like. Even if you're a TES player, getting Undoing with a Narset or something like that in play, it's just never going to work out. Because your get-out-of-jail-free card is Burning Wish into Echo. Mm. And that line is is gone. So eventually, I just get to, you know, him, my opponent, whenever they have more cards than than two in hand, uh, they do get to infernal tutor and we both know what's up like there's a past in flames in your hand excellent i'm gonna him it into the graveyard and i'm gonna play hiretsugu so it's gone next turn and it does get exiled eventually i just play a spell bomb play jace the mind sculptor start plussing and the game is over so super cool like games I, I went 4-0, in games. And uh, there were definitely some super scary games, like the this game was probably the closest the whole evening. Or maybe some of the ant games <laughs> that I just maybe got lucky when uh, my opponent had a lot of live draws. But uh, yeah, that was the tournament report, and Hiretsugu is like super real.
1: Very cool. Uh, I think that uh, A&T has a little bit... More problems against uh, like the breacher deck than, uh, for instance, TES. Given that you run all the twelve cantrips and uh, like you you don't get into the board early as you could with TES, like putting mana and wish claws in into play before your hand is uh, mind twisted, and and also not having like the the transformative sideboard with uh, more storm spells in form of the galvanic Re- relay, which is basically how TES is winning these days. It's like, nice fov that you have here. I'm going to draw for 13 (laughs) cards next turn. Yeah. So so maybe you can... Like, if you play Burning Ant with a little bit of uh, stronger red splash, maybe you can play Galvanic Relay in that deck. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a little bit harder to to build up Storm Count with only Rituals and no Artifact Mana. uh, Less Artifact Mana.
2: Yeah. And and also, like, not having um, red Rituals. Makes exactly. a lot of those lines uh, scarier. Yeah, exactly. Because you can't just, you know, test the waters, you know, going, Fatsis, right, Burning Wish, Lead. Here's a, like a big... <laughs> oh, well, that sequencing was terrible. But, <laughs> but you know, you cr- obviously crack the, play and crack the Lead before you Burning Wish, mm-hmm. uh, unless yeah. you're getting the Echo. But Galvanic Relay is definitely one of those cards that uh, this deck is scared about, because you're boarding into more f- more discard spells and you're not playing you're not playing flusterstorm or cards like that you're just going really heavy to stop single annoying threats. and uh, yeah this deck is just very well equipped to to beat those kind of decks it would be really interesting to see how this deck does against uh, maybe a deck like eight cast and stuff like that because i imagine Hiretsugu is is pretty nice there as well just sweeping up factors you're getting like the chalice and the uh, shadow spear and stuff like that just is out of there um so uh, but at the same time kappa cannoneer is real i think that's why the sudden edicts might be there like for the Merc tides and those but uh, yeah super cool deck
1: yeah sounds really good and big congratulations on the clean sweep 8-0 that's cool
0: very nicely done indeed Grixis is certainly back we can say that for sure and this is a deck that does indeed play a couple of basic lands in other words the basic land connoisseur panel must meet to discuss this critical topic this crucial endeavor of putting lands into a deck now on Grixis. So, with no less than three basic lands to choose for each of us, we uh, have no time to waste, and we're gonna try and do this going sort of land type by land type, starting with the island. Robin, what do you have for us?
1: For me, Grixis is a deck that plays Baleful Strix, and I think it's about, like, the only deck that plays Baleful Strix. Ah, maybe Doom, some sort of Doomsday decks do as well, but none of the other fair decks are playing Baleful Strix anymore, but... so. I searched for lands that I thought would go well with Baleful Strix. And Baleful Strix, like the OG painting, is uh, a little bit of a watercolor feel to it. So I picked out a nice mirage island. It's number 338 from a mirage. And uh, it has this uh, color scheme that reminds me of Baleful Strix a little bit where uh, it's, it's kind of a dark water and uh, sort of a sunset in the background and the sky is almost purple with a little bit of yellow in it and then there's a, like a, a dark island or a dark uh, mountain on that island in, in the background and it has sort of the same colors that uh, the Baleful Strix has.
0: I really like that, it does have the same color scheme even though at first I wasn't at all thinking, you know, Baleful Strix. When I saw this island, I'm thinking this is an island I remember from playing Magic the Gathering when Mirage was released and basic lands just got more and more interesting art. And this is like, wow, this is such a cool island. But now that you say it, it really does have the same color schemes as Baleful Strix, which I find super interesting.
2: Yeah, I I really like uh, this pick. um just because it's i like douglas schuler always makes beautiful art yes and uh, this looks like such a nice this this would be a perfect fit for what was it 2016 2015 or whatever it was grixis when you were playing treasure cruise because this is where i want to cruise <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's really nice. I mean, the waves are a bit
0: high, but yeah, I can see myself going into the sunset in in this island for sure.
2: What about you, Christopher? This is uncanny, but I picked uh, version 338 also, but from Odyssey uh, by (laughs) Rob Alexander. And uh, this is one of my favorite islands, period. I might even have used it earlier in another episode, but there's this beautiful coastline you see some, like a mountain in the background you see some cliffs and then there's a the reflection of everything in the water which uh, kind of represents the two for ones <laughs> you're getting with grixis <laughs> you want landscapes have two mm-hmm. no but it's uh, it's uh, super beautiful i really love this uh, i think the it looks super calm And one of the things that all of my basics are going to have in common is that there's not really anyone to be seen in them, which is kind of like what Grixis, a lot of the times feels like playing against. It's uh, you're playing against a planeswalker who's just throwing spells out there, not really creature spells uh, necessarily. And uh, you're just fighting the elements. So this is my calm island pick. What do you think?
1: Very cool. I like your like your reasoning behind this choice and uh, I, I guess this is like the calm before the fish door storm that you're presenting or the like Hidetsugu, I'm gonna consume all of you or one drops and your graveyard and then beat you down. <laughs> So it's it's a very like soothing picture. And it's
0: very light for being Grixis. It's, it has a lot of turquoise in it, but the two for one explanation. Rob Alexander just always a killer artist for lands, of course. I I can really see this uh, happening, especially in this iteration of the deck, where you have. Uh, I mean, Grixis is of course all all about a plane of complete undeath, destruction, and so on and so forth, whereas Hull Breacher is about something else. And this is um, a way more maritime island, (laughs) if you want, compared to what Grixis usually is uh, considered to be. And uh, I think that fits. Excellent. So tell us about your
2: island pick, Victor.
0: Well, I have picked perhaps... A suite of the perhaps uh, most uh, famous basic lands that there is for connoisseurs, I should say. I have been waiting a long time to to take these out. And I finally thought it was the time for the Guru lands. So this is by Therese Nielsen. It doesn't have a card number because there is only one Guru island. And this is uh, an island that's set beneath what looks to be a twin sky, right and left, depicting what would happen depending on if it was night or day over this island. And it has some of these super interesting sort of mathematical geometrical forms that kind of explains how the sun and or moon would traverse the sky above this island. This is how all the are 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 drawn in different ways. You have this sun-moon thing going on in the picture. And I have chosen these basically because... They are really, really, really pricey. I think the the, the cost for a Guru Island is uh, easy in the 1000 euro sort of section these days. Of course, that's been bolstered by the last couple of years shenanigans in pricing. But nonetheless, they were expensive in 2016 as well. And my point here is that I have always considered Grixis to be a super expensive deck to play. Because you have really expensive jewels, you have really expensive fetches, you have all these mythics. Hitetsiku is also a mythic, probably not as pricey yet, but, you know, could be. It's, it's getting there. <laughs> yeah, and I wanted to sort of find which are the priciest, most exclusive basics you can have. And I think the Gurudans really come out on top there. I don't know if they are actual factual, the most expensive ones, but I think they're the most expensive ones you would actually want to play in a deck. Also, they are, with this um, sun-moon mathematical thing going on, they also signal that you are a person of uh, high intelligence. And I think you need to be that to to make Grixis work. And might also be why I haven't played Grixis in any format ever.
2: So uh, I'm just going to give my my two cents. I was 100% certain that the reason why you chose the Gurus are to day's undoing which kind of feels like just ending the day because the day's undoing it reverses the day kind of i guess in the flavor text you get like everyone gets new cards and you end your turn as a part of the spell resolving and this kind of looks like you're not sure if the what direction the sun is going is it becoming morning or day (laughs) <laughs> Morning or day, <laughs> listen to <laughs> me, guys. <laughs> Big brains on this boy. Now that you're not sure if it's uh, turning into night or day, and uh, I thought I thought you picked it due to the days I'm doing. But I do uh, agree with the price aspect. Like uh, it, it's it's kind of an expensive deck, but these lands are super gorgeous, and I do think that they fit really well into Grixis. Uh, there's
1: no doubt why, like these Guru lands, are some of the most I should say. Popular or sought-after basic islands for for any or basic lands for any deck. They are so pretty and uh, very good choice, Victor.
0: Okay, that brings us to swamp, Robin.
1: All right, um, so I'm back here on the like on the baleful strix <laughs> theme land. So I found this uh, swamp with a similar like yellowish tone. Um, that also uh, the island had. So this is a portal swamp. It's two o seven from portal, and it's obviously a swamp with a big chunk of tree laying in it, rotting. And uh, like both the sky and uh, like the water or the or the swamp is 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 very yellowy and has this unhealthy looking color to it. It it reminds me a little bit of of so, some of the swamps that we choose when we were picking swamps for pox, for instance. Also this yellowy kind of... But here is, is where the, the Stryges uh, resides, of course. There's no uh, like um, disease going on here, it's just uh, a pair of Stryges hanging out in the swamp.
0: No, I like it, I like it. This is the bold choice of putting a sun in the picture of a swamp, to begin with, I think, makes this a very nice execution of swamp. Of course, this sun makes everything look yellow, But it still doesn't feel that you have any light it I I get that sense from sort of Sam and Frodo spending time in Mordor where the Sun is kind of out but it's sort of dark anyway because this looks like a dark swamp somehow even though the the picture is quite bright I mean the Sun is very yellow here and it's reflected in the in the water of this bog as well and I really like that effect so uh, yeah i'm uh, I think this is nice. this is um I mean it's such a trope to sort of put swamps in shadows and darkness, and this is like, nope, this is a swamp
2: in the sunlight. Yep. still horrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, and that's that's the thing I really like about it as well. and you know when you're walking outside and it has been raining a lot, so there's all of these pools of water everywhere, and uh, the sun is like descending, there's a sunset coming up. And you're getting blinded from two angles at the same time. And this kind of feels like that. Because you're getting like <laughs> glare from both of the sun and the reflection. But you also need to watch your step. Because you're walking in a swamp. And it kind of feels like you have to tread lightly. And it will hurt your eyes doing so. So I really... I, I like it. It's a, it's a very cool... Swamp, for sure.
1: And when looking uh, at it next to the Baleful Strix, it actually looks like the same tree that the Baleful Strix is sitting on. You can check it out later.
2: <laughs> What's your choice, Christopher? I, I picked an um, Invasion uh, Swamp, version 342 by Ron Spencer. And I picked that murky island that Victor just talked about, the very dark one. like It looks like it's during daylight, but there's both fog and probably thick trees. So light doesn't really shine this place up. It might also be moonlight, but I picked this due to, like, it doesn't look like animals can live in this place. And the only type of animal that would survive here is either like an angler, like a Gurmag angler, or a Strix, which is a robot. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, I, I wanted to pick a swamp again with no living thing in sight. Uh, just darkness and you're walking into things that's grixis so that's my pick
1: yeah so this is a really nice picture from ron spencer and i'm a big fan of these uh, basics from this era invasion and uh, the other sets from this era yeah it's a really nice looking picture and uh, I like the sort of haze that is going on, going through the like the root system or or whatever it is that is coming out of the swamp. It looks really cool.
0: I think the swamp looks also a bit like artificial. Like it looks like it's not real. <laughs> it has this sort of, I mean, the color because the colors are super bright. Like the mist is very light blue, and and the the roots of these gnarled huge fuck of trees are like very light gray with some extreme highlight on them like this and the moon is, is just com- a complete white orb in the background there and I think that alerts to Kamigawa Neon Dynasty like there is some neon in this picture and since uh, we have a Kamigawa Neon Dynasty non-legendary saga uh, putting this back on the map I think this fits yeah,
1: for sure. I also think this looks a little bit like a, a happy swamp, in some sense. It it's not uh, nearly as uh, like uh, <laughs> grim, <laughs> uh, looking as, as such a bad place. No, not not nearly as grim as like uh, like the the piece of wood that that I chose or many of the other swamps. This I could hang out here with the strix.
2: Yeah, I think I think this uh, because I think maybe that's some mushrooms also on the tree and stuff like that. This this swamp is more alive in one sense. So yeah, for sure. What about you, Victor? Do you have any shocks for us on your swamp?
0: Well, no, of course not. I'm in the Guru Land here, and uh, the swamp has a very eclipsed sun in the middle of it, and uh, large trees. It has it's a very classical swamp, Magic Gathering swamp. Uh, art here big trees you see the bottom of them these trees are in a sunken swamp wetland you we have some shading but as it is Therese nielsen she makes this look perhaps not original but interesting uh, and i think the technique she has chosen to paint this picture makes it look sort of non-conform or non-tropy in a way compared to all the other swamps that have been drawn like this. Of course, this is also relatively early in my gathering history, so perhaps this version of doing swamps hadn't really become <laughs> a trope yet. I don't know. Nonetheless, it has an eclipse in it, and that's just
2: amazing. Yeah, I definitely yeah, just beautiful. Yeah, I, I vibe with it. Like, depending on what color the uh, Guruland has, the amount of sun that uh, is in the picture... Like, shifts. Having the eclipse in one of them is just super fucking cool, especially for the swamp. Because in a lot of the other pictures, you see, like, ah, some part is lighter than the other, but not in the swamp, really. There's, like, one glare of sun in the middle that seeps past, and the rest is just dark and pretty. Good pick. All right, final round. The mountain.
0: What is a Grixis mountain, really? Robin? Robin? Tell us everything about this.
1: Yeah, what is a Grixis Mountain? Well, I chose another card from Portal, and this one is number two hundred and ten, uh, and it's it's not following like the theme of being in the same colors as the Strix, which is a quite a yellowy card, and uh, like the Swamp and Island, was quite yellowy but so this is uh, like quite a dark mountain with pine woods in front of and uh, uh, quite a red sky in in the background and uh, my thoughts here is that this looks like the kind of woods where like where you would see the owls it even gave me sort of a little bit of a twin peaksy feeling (laughs) like the owls are not what they seem to be like these trees and these mountains they look like they are so old and so wild and like this is a this is a home for for the baleful strix among the other basic lands so that was my choice
0: i like how it looks next to the two other ones you have chosen because all of them together you get this and i don't know if it's sort of history i mean the use of technique uh, or if it's the printing that does it but they all have that slightly slightly pale sort of veil on top of them as do the revised duels that you are likely to see next to these lands on the board and i think that gives it a very interesting coherent look together with the other lands as well and i like that and i also like that this is uh, a mountain that has on the one hand a very classical extremely red background the sky is just full on red but then the rest of the picture is this coniferous forest in in front of these black bluish dark old mountains and that gives it a bit of a it's a new take or it's another take on mountain in magic gathering and looks great next to the other ones it shows that i think also the swamp is is different in a way and uh, all of this would look very good on a board and i hope to see it sometime at the lgs i'll just say that
2: yeah, I think, I think this is really nice. And what you said about Twin Peaks, I, I completely agree with. The, you know, the owls aren't what they seem, especially when they resolve one and you're trying to attack with Grizzlebrand. It has this uh, orangey background, which I'm always weak to in mountains. And like uh, Victor said, like the forest part with all of the pine trees and stuff like that, you know, it always strikes a... Special place in my Scandinavian heart.
1: Right, Christopher. What's your choice for a mountain?
2: I actually chose a mountain that I don't play myself. But this is one of the mountains I really like. And it's version 346 in Mirage by John Avon. And what is mountains? What are they doing in Grixis? They are either helping you cast black spells in form of collagens commands. And now... Hiretsugu, or they're casting lightning bolts and power blasts, and, like, how extremely dark the bottom path, the the forest, uh, like, that's closest to you, in it, from your perspective, that's just what red and black in Grixis are to me, and has been historically, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's just a really mesmerizing picture, I really like this art, so, uh, I picked it due to the Kallagans commands and Hretsiga fans out there. So, what do you think?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a really nice picture, and I like like the different layers from the very like uh, dark foreground, and then like the each subsequent mountain becomes a little bit darker, and then there's this really bright yellowy sky a nice picture
0: yeah it's old mirage classic just as the first uh, land that robin talked about i have been sitting with these in front of me like excitedly putting them into decks when i was a kid and um yeah you're right i mean the mountains in this deck are for two things and this mountain does these two things uh, really well i would say very solid choice
2: so or are you gonna tell us about your last pick, Victor?
0: Yeah, I have a Guru Land for my last pick. A <gasps> Guru Land
2: S- surprised Pika face.
0: Yeah, yeah, you should see the stream now, guys. It's absolutely crazy. And this is interesting because this is a mountain that is also a valley, and that's another thing we don't see enough of in mountains i think in in night gathering i mean these days mountains are common a lot of sort of interesting interpretations whereas you see mountain in cities or mountains in uh, sort of other depictions but we've seen quite little of valleys in mountains and this one has both mountains and a valley that you're sort of standing in the valley looking upwards towards where the valley grows back into the mountains and you have this uh, sun moon eclipse Mathematical scheme going on again, of course, and um yeah, I mean, it just—it's a nice view. It looks very expensive. It goes in Grixis.
1: Actually, I think the like the mountain is is one of the Gurulands lands that you see the least. What, what I can remember, anyway, it's a pity because it's a really nice looking card. It, it's not quite as like as uh, standing out as the as the island where like the the whole like mathematical theme is a little bit more obvious. Since it's in the like in the sky and not uh, other details disturbing it. But this one is really nice executed and I also liked like the how how also this land is divided in two which one a little bit brighter side and one a little bit darker side. It's a nice one.
2: Yeah, and, and the last point that you talked about is the reason why I think this card is especially underplayed, Guru. Price tag, sure. But if you look at the other ones, the Sun and moon aspect, or like the dark and uh, bright side, is usually in line with the sun and moon. But here it's opposite. The hmm. moon side is brighter than the sun side. And that's super cool. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's very cool. I, I think this uh, effect makes you think about like is the glare from the moon stronger on the mountains than the sun is
0: maybe maybe indeed also i think it's interesting that i think that these are the first basic lands that in quotation marks breaks the fourth wall in magic like you would have lots of other cards in magic that would sort of clearly flirt with the player like all of arabian knights or orcish lumberjack you know Goblin, Moon, Brigade, whatever. So many examples of cards from the very get-go that will flirt with the player. But the basic lands were just only ever basic lands until you have this cycle of basics that adds this feature of mathematical sun and moon eclipse uh, schemes in them. And that also sort of talks directly to the players rather than sort of, just being a nice piece of art, and I think that's also interesting.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's not it's breaking the fourth wall a bit, but not in an immersion-breaking way. It's not like the, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the the other way of doing it, which was the other way to break the fourth wall is uh, are these new islands and uh, basics that just has the text of what a basic land is. And that's like no art, just like massive text. But I I think uh, what you mentioned is really nice. And uh, what I can recall, this is the first instance of like, yeah, like these are some artist sketches on there.
0: And that is all we have for this week in the Grixis land. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. If you do like the show, tell a friend if you think they should listen as well. If you want to say hi to us or suggest something for the show, join our Discord server. You can find the link in the episode description. In addition to Discord, you can hit us up on Twitter at Legacy Stockholm Legacy. We in this uh, crew are also present personally on some social media. Robin, where can our listeners
1: find you? You can mostly find me in real life at uh, Thursdays at Alpha Spiel, but uh, you can also find me in the Discord server.
2: Yeah, you'll find me on both of those places as well and at Monolith MTG on Twitter.
1: And
0: you can find me at Disco Drogo on Twitter. And that is the end of the 40th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson Sigan and Christopher Vikstrom. Thank you for listening. The great Frenes has written our music. You can check out their work on Spotify. And until next time, do remember that Grixis is a world of death, darkness, undead, hatred, envy, and a lot of other bad things.